0: Well, again, this is a return to the series where you've picked some questions or some topics or sermon suggestions, sent those to me, uh, prayerfully responded from the pulpit, and with some of the delays and things getting shuffled around, I had sort of a change in plan. We might extend the series a little bit further than I had originally planned. Two weeks ago, if you were here, you'll know we spent the first week of the series to great link discussing the deeds and the schemes of the devil, that was kind of how we started, was uh, what does the devil do? This morning, we're going to turn things back around to where they should be. Let's, let's instead talk about the great things done and said by our Lord. Amen? But first, before we jump into our time of the Word, uh, would you join me for a word of prayer? Lord, I do thank you for your Word. I thank you for your Word and your Spirit. Lord, we know that you've given us all that we need as your followers, to follow you, to be the people you intend for us to be. Lord, I pray that as we would open your word today, that you would reveal things to us that you want us to know. I pray, Lord, uh, as we do uh, often on this day, that you would uh, clear our minds, Lord, of, of the outside world, of any distractions. Pray, Lord, that you would uh, focus us on what you would have to say to us. We thank you so much, O oh Lord, for, uh, for your will, for the plans that you have for us. It is in Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you'd like to open up your Bibles to John chapter 15, that's where we're going to be uh, jumping in today, and I've got some of the text on the screen behind me. Before I jump into this text, uh, I'd like to... Set the scene for it. Just to give us a refresher of where we are on the timeline. This is kind of a big deal. The day these words were spoken, this is the day before Jesus Christ willingly went to the cross. Just keep that in mind. We know from Scripture that it's been quite a week. It's been quite a week. Remember, on Sunday, the way this week began, Jesus came riding into Jerusalem. Remember? He was hailed by those surrounding him as king. That's the way this week started. On Thursday, what did Jesus do? Jesus took the occasion of the Passover feast, the Jewish Passover feast, and what did he do with it? He took the time to initiate the Lord's Supper with his disciples. Uh, By the way, at this time, he was also going to wash the feet of the disciples. Jesus is going to tell them, hey, you're to be servants. They're to be servants just as Jesus came to be a servant. Again, this coming from the mouth of the guy who rode in as king. Now, on this occasion, um, Jesus uh, would not only predict that he would be betrayed by Judas, also that he'd be denied by Peter. Imagine all this, taking in all this as a uh, follower. Jesus is going to go on to inform his disciples, hey, he's only going to be with them for a short time. He's going to promise them a helper. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit uh, wouldn't just be a guide for that first generation of disciples, right? Wouldn't just come for the apostles. But for those who remain followers of Jesus Christ today. But as the disciples would surely be troubled by these words of Jesus. Where's he going? What's going to happen now? Is this what we would be thinking? John 16, 7. But Jesus has more words, and these are for the purpose of comforting them. And that's probably a good thing at this point. I just heard uh, a couple weeks ago uh, that my family doctor has decided not to uh, renew his contract in this area. And this was a bit of a letdown to me. I've had more than just a couple health problems recently, and I felt a little disturbed that he's leaving me. It's possible I drove him away. But I can't imagine uh, in comparison, it's not really much of a comparison, I can't imagine being the followers of Christ at this time, trying to absorb, trying to understand this message. He's going to be going away. Uh, No matter what had been said to me regarding, you know, who might be coming in his place. John 17, 6 says sorrow actually filled the hearts of the disciples. Not even knowing how Jesus was going to go away, I would just be thinking, what if the uh, whoever comes and changes my proverbial med list, right? Or the spiritual equivalent. But just before this, just before this time, as Jesus takes his disciples out of that upper room, And away from the scene of what's going to, you know, literally be their last supper. Toward the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus himself would face the most difficult evening any one person to walk this planet has ever faced. Think about it. Jesus offered these words. This was on the way. So consider all this. Big stuff, right? Big stuff. Consider all this as we move forward into our text for today, John 15, 1 to 8. And Jesus says this, I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Verse 4, Abided me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, it is he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. That's the end of our text. Well, our you pick question this morning is this. What does Jesus mean by vine, fruit, and branches? And we may again understand the answer when we consider these events surrounding these words. See, by this, Jesus means hope in him. Hope in him. Why vine, fruit, and branches? Well, we're not entirely sure why this analogy. Uh, One author thinks Jesus and his disciples were passing some vineyards on the way from the upper room to Gethsemane. Or maybe, maybe they walked by the temple and saw some golden vine decorations hanging from it. We know Jesus typically used the events of the day as teaching tools for his followers. He seemed to be very good at, I don't know if you'd call it improvisation, but simply taking the moment. Regardless, Jesus was clear on this. Here's your hope. Remain in me. I am the vine. Some translations will offer of this text, abide in me. And so it comes down to understanding Jesus has a path in mind for all of those who are indeed following him, right? If one chooses to be a Christian, to be a Christ follower, we talked about this uh, earlier in uh, Ralph's excellent Sunday school class today. If one chooses to be a Christ follower, a Christian, then it's not possible to decide for oneself the way our Christianity is going to go, right? Right? For the previous three years, consider, while well, Jesus had directly mentored his disciples, walked with them, lived with them, the vine and branches illustration had already become their way of life. Jesus had led, the disciples had followed closely behind. Okay, maybe Judas Iscariot got off a little bit there near the end, and we all know how circumstances would follow for Judas. Jesus certainly had cause of concern for the ones he would shortly leave behind, right? This wasn't just their family doctor, but the savior of their souls, the author and finisher of their faith. If you've ever had uh, children turn of adult age and, and leave home, maybe go off to college, maybe join the military, I can't say I've been there yet, but uh, many of us have. If so, maybe you can imagine a a feeling of separation I'm sure even Jesus himself may have experienced. Don't forget his human side in all of this. It's impossible to measure the feeling of sadness in knowing the difficulties that his present, his followers in the future would experience in his absence. So it's no wonder Jesus promises what? I'm going to come to you via the Holy Spirit. And this is certainly more significant than just saying, hey, you know, we're going to come in, drop in on on you at your dorm every now and again, right? And then you as the uh, kid is thinking, that's great, Mom, but could you please text first? (laughs) But see, we're never really separated from Jesus as his followers, are we? When we become Christians, again, when we become a part of the church, the body of Christ, we belong to the group of people for whom we were created. That's pretty cool if you think about it. John uh, will also write in First John chapter one, verse four, that our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son Jesus Christ." And he says, "And we are writing these things so that our joy may be, what? Complete. Our joy complete. Jesus may not physically walk with his people today, but we're never apart. Excellent news, never apart because of the indwelling Holy Spirit. And we long for that joy, don't we? We long for joy. We long for that closeness with Jesus as his family, as branches from the vine. Just like a a child away from their parents. Sometimes we don't like to admit that. There was a, a story told about a mother who was tucking her little boy into bed one summer evening and there was a violent thunderstorm outside the little boy's window. Just as the boy's mother was getting ready to turn off his bedroom light, he asked with a shaky voice, Mommy, could you please sleep with me tonight? The mother smiled and gave her son a reassuring hug. I can't, baby, she said. I have to sleep with your daddy. There was a long silence in the little boy's bedroom, which was finally broken by his shaky little voice, the big sissy. But don't we long for someone near to us? And certainly when we're enduring a big storm outside our window, when the hard rain falls around us, uh, shouldn't we cling to the lessons we've learned in the past, the words of our Lord, the one for whom we were made? I'm not saying we always do or that it's easy to do so. But when Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches, abide in me. He's warning his disciples, don't forget all I've taught you. Don't forget how we've lived. Remain in me. You'll be where you need to be, and you'll bring glory to God. How are they going to bring glory to God? He tells us, verse 2, bearing fruit. Verse 8 even goes on to say that by doing this, by bearing fruit, they will prove to be disciples. What's this all about? As one author writes, Jesus, every move while he walked this earth was to bring glory to his Father in heaven. That was the purpose, ultimately. And Jesus says, moving forward, this is his disciples' task now. They bring glory to God, the vine dresser, by staying close to his son Jesus, the vine. If they do this, Jesus says that they, the branches, will bear much fruit. So bearing fruit is going to be synonymous with staying close to Jesus in this world. And this is so important. Consider that this word fruit or fruitful is used seven times in just this section of Scripture. With abide or remain appearing eight times. Uh, Look back here at verse 6 with me again. See where Jesus is referring to himself as a gardener who actually prunes and shapes this vine so that it will produce a certain kind of fruit. Jesus, the gardener, is going to cut out any non-productive parts so that the branches, and that's us, will be healthier. And any bad growth is removed so that the good will grow and be nourished by the vine. Why is it so important that Jesus shapes us, that Jesus uh, prunes us like branches from a vine? Well, what happens if nobody shapes a growing vine? What, what takes place? Have you ever seen a house or uh, some other building where a clinging vine has overtaken a side or two of it? Uh, These kind of vines are capable of damaging rooftops uh, and gutters. Uh, They can even uh, get in the way there with the chimney. They can attract bugs. They can rot walls, not to mention darken the building. I read this someplace. This is not for my authority. You're like we know, preacher. But shaping and pruning vines is highly recommended for growing vines. And in the case of the grapevine, ah, the grapevine, it's essential. It's essential. One author writes, grapes are the most widely grown fruit in the world. Did you know that? Most widely grown with proper care, grapevines can actually live for 50 to 100 years or more. Kind of sounds like us. But without pruning, fruit clusters will develop poorly. And this is going to uh, lead to lower yields and improper ripening on the vine. So then when we look back again here at verse 2, when we see this word prune or, or purge, there's a Greek word there in the original text, uh, kathero or kathiro, meaning to cleanse, to clear, control, correct, or cultivate. Those were all C words. That's pretty cool. Cleanse, clear, control, correct, or cultivate. Can't we better understand how Jesus continues to shape us? How he prunes us? How he takes away what doesn't work? And he's not doing this to make things difficult in our lives. It may feel that way. His presence may hurt a little bit. Sometimes we're going to need to give up parts of ourselves that we don't want to give up. But Jesus is preparing us to become little replicas of himself, in a sense, little Christs, to continue his work as Christ's followers, just as he intended for those first disciples. Someone might say, I can get along just fine without Jesus being the Lord of this or that. He doesn't need to know everything. He doesn't need to have everything in my life. Well, he does already. Sometimes we act as though we know better than God, don't we? I can tell you from personal experience, there's been uh, a few too many times that I want uh, Jesus to follow me with what I'm doing, to serve my purposes the way I see best, to do what I want, but that's not how the vine and branches works. That's not how it works. As a Christian, yes, there's a whole lot of times, man, I wish I could just punch a time clock on Sunday morning for two hours when I step into this church building, but then the second I walk out of these doors, well, it's back to what I want to do how about you do you remain a branch connected to the vine when you leave the ferris church of christ building do you remain in god's word do you keep a faithful prayer life or do you just maybe try to convince the gardener to let you grow wild in this world is that the plan and i know how this goes as a preacher and it doesn't make me any different than you i think in some ways it might be worse I'm quote unquote a professional religious person. Terrible way to look at it. But I have a religious service to prepare every week. I have some responsibilities at the church building throughout the week as well. When these things aren't happening, who am I connected to? Where am I spending my time? And what about you? You know, we think we can remain with Jesus for just a few hours a week and then come off smelling like roses when we're apart from him. How does this work with cut flowers? Cut flowers may think they're still going to bloom after separated and distributed. But what happens a week after Valentine's Day? Your Valentine says, put those in the trash, they stink. If you've got allergies, avoid them like the plague, just some friendly floral advice. But we know the Valentine's Day drill, don't we? And so Jesus warns us in verse 6. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. And I think we know where Jesus is going with that thought, burned. We're either going to blossom for heaven, or we're going to be tossed in the hellish burn pile. And this is just what happens when branches don't produce fruit from the vine. It's what happens. I realize this; these days, it's been this way for quite some time. There's push in our culture to be more independent. Be on your own. Do your thing. These, these days they say, you, you do you, whatever that means. Or to be more fiercely political. That's the push. To find a more appealing vine to swing from. How about being better fruit bearers? Where's that movement? Who's prioritizing good fruit among us? As Christians, we are either wasting our lives being fruitless or investing our lives being fruitful. And Jesus didn't just come to us so that we may have life, but the Bible says Romans 7 4, an abundant life, right? An abundant life, a fruit-bearing life. Are we clinging more fiercely to the vine these days than ever? I hope we are. I hope we are. From the point of our baptism into Jesus, a living union was formed between us and God. And just as a branch only gets real life from the vine, so the believer only gets a fruitful life, Colossians 1.27, when we grow his way. What's this going to look like? What's it going to look like? I might make a note of Galatians chapter 5. When we press on in Jesus, Scripture promises, we'll be able to bear the fruit of his harvest, and we know what that looks like, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Sometimes we we disagree with this a little bit. We think, I'm just not very patient. I I struggle with self-control. Have you ever seen me try to start a lawnmower? Hmm. Have you ever had a loss of temper and, and wondered afterward, what's the problem, Lord? But maybe it's just a sign the gardener has come to prune one area of our lives or another and we've resisted him. This word abide. Do we get distracted on the branching out? Because here's the thing. Verse 7. I love this verse. I love this promise. If you abide in me and my words. Where are his words? We have them in our Bibles. Abide in you. Ask. 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 Jesus offers us a connection, and it's promised, of everything we were made for for from here to eternity. Do you realize that if you're a branch of the vine, you already have all you need to grow in Jesus? But so often, instead of Christians abiding, instead of our asking for spiritual blessings, that we would glorify who? The vine dresser, verse 8. Instead of our taking fruit-bearing spiritual fasts, what do we spend our time doing? You know, it seems we're more interested, more likely in the year 2020 to take Facebook fasts. You know, the real modern connection where people stay connected for a lot of people, Christian or otherwise, think about it. Those of you who uh, spend any time on social media, do you often see some posts from time to time, maybe containing phrases such as, well, I'm taking the next couple of weeks off or contact me another way besides uh, Facebook, I won't be online for a couple days. Uh, You know, so I can actually get some housework done, pay some bills, take a shower, you know. For some grown adults, when it comes to the little gadgets, it's it's like the fly film all over again. Help me, help me, you know. We don't have any problems staying connected to Zuckerberg or our favorite politician or entertainer on Twitter or any of the several dozen and counting apps downloaded by children and teenagers which seem to have little purpose except set them up for exploitation. It's kind of a scary statistic on modern connection. According to recent research from one firm, people tap, uh, this is just people in general, tap, swipe, and click a computer or smartphone screen an average of 2,617 times a day, on average. That's a lot of pushing buttons for connection. That's a million touches a year and averages out to two and a half hours of screen time daily. This is reading or sending texts or scrolling on social media on our smartphones. By the way, they're called smartphones. They don't necessarily make us smart. But when it comes to connection, we got all kinds of time. We have time for this, right? We're hungry for connection, starving for connection as a culture. But why do we struggle? Why do we struggle to find time to stay connected to the Vine? Why do we struggle to find time for a midweek Bible study with other Christians? Why do we struggle to find time to attend a prayer group? Why do we struggle to find volunteers for youth or to fill a classroom? We can keep up with every stupid social media meme until our thumbs fall off. But for some reason, we can't find a few moments to visit a few widows, to follow up with some names on the church prayer list, or to bring the Lord to our next-door neighbor who's not a believer and bound for the burn pile. Could we spare, and this, this is a challenge today, could we spare just a few quiet moments each day, not plugged in to anything in the world today, but just a few quiet moments each day under before the one who gives us everything just to say to god lord i need you father i want to bear your fruit i want to bear much fruit continue to work with me make me grow verse eight can we honestly call out to the vine that supports us god i want not for others to see me so that i might make an impression but for you and me for your kingdom are we willing to make that commitment Are we willing to go forward to shout to God and demean it? Grow within me, Lord. Glorify your name. Not just because we want more bodies in our church pews in Montcalm County, Michigan on earth, Lord, but because we want to glorify you who art in heaven. Amen? Because I want each and every member of my family and all my friends and all the young people in and out of my circle and all of my parents' generation and everyone in between to know you and be baptized into you and see you work within their lives, oh God. Are you willing, Ferris Church of Christ, to bear much fruit for Jesus? I ask you, how are you doing on staying connected? On being branches? You know, even as children... We know we're made for connections. We can watch a a little child. They love to be connected, even in the church pews. We get excited about being with others, whether at school or Sunday school or doing recess. We want to be around people that know us and people we can trust, people we can depend on. But the trouble is, you know, as parents or whatever, maybe we're not doing a good enough job preparing preparing our kids for connection, for the right connection. Instead, we throw the world to our babies right out of the crib. As Christ followers, are we going to model the perfection of the Christ? No. There's seasons we're off. One author writes, in every garden, think about it, in every garden, in every vineyard, there's an opportunity to be discouraged, right? We see it. Weeds thrive. Ugh. Ugh hate weeds. Anyone here like, actually likes to see weeds grow out of their garden? Weeds thrive, mildew flourishes. Anybody like the smell of mildew? Oh, it's wonderful. Disease finds an outdoor home, and just like in every life, there are elements that can hinder the production of healthy fruit. He goes on, and I like this very much, just think though, does the grapevine trust its connection? Have you ever seen a grapevine that was stressed out? Or have you ever seen a cotton plant that couldn't decide for, between producing cotton or bananas? The owner of the vineyard is going to equip you to bear the fruit he plans through you. He'll do the pruning. He'll call the shots. But you've got to make sure to get in his word. And with the help of his spirit, please the vine dresser. Hebrews 4.12 tells us God's word uh, judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Why does it do this? It says, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. So do you want to bear all the fruit God will give to you to bear? Let the gardener go to work on you. Don't resist his pruning. Don't resist his correction. Get in the word. Live the word. Jesus said to these disciples, again, these guys, live, personally walked, ministered, and yet, guys that still had their doubts, and they walked with Jesus in the flesh. Jesus said this, I won't personally be with you walking for time, so you must remain personally with me. And the message stands today. Branch out or burn out. Seek heaven now or eventually catch hell. And that's not swearing, it's God's word. Live for Jesus or die in the pursuit of something else which can never make you happy. It's your choice. We talked about this a couple weeks ago, how this is the devil's world and we need to be aware. He's looking to coax us off the vine. Don't let him do it. It's not worth being snapped off by the enemy, no matter how bad growing pains get. Is anyone familiar with the uh, movie The Horse Whisperer? Has anyone seen the movie The Horse Whisperer? A couple of you have. This film was inspired by the work of one Monty Roberts, I'm told that during uh, an episode of 60 Minutes, uh, Roberts taught the world the secret of his so-called horse whispering. Kind of interesting. It involves getting into the corral with these untamed mustangs and staying as far away from the animal as possible without leaving this enclosure. Now, at first, Monty refuses any eye eye contact with the horse. Then, by continuing to move slowly but surely, still from the horse, And by keeping his eyes away from the gaze of the animal, Monty slowly draws the horse to himself. Now, the beast is pounding the earth with his foot, snorting and making circles at great speed. Monty Roberts keeps moving steadily away from the horse, refusing to approach, still not looking at it. And as astounding as it sounds, Monty can have a wild Mustang saddled and carrying a rider in time using this method. When asked about the secret, he says, this animal needs to be with others so much, he would rather befriend the enemy than be left alone. Rather befriend the enemy than be left alone. Friends, that's what we do. Some of us will even befriend the enemy of our souls, won't we? We'll give in to the disillusionment or the pain or the frustration of this life rather than feel alone. And we know people, don't we? we all, we've all known people within our family, within our circle of friends. We're so desperate for intimacy. We, we go about it the most immoral ways possible. Bad, abusive, and self-destructive relationships, they're just a step away for all of us. But we were made for a different kind of connection. We were made for a kind of intimacy that's promised to us in God's word and lasts forever. Are you connected to Jesus Christ? When Jesus talks about the vine, fruit, and branches, he means this. He desires this. He went to the cross, resurrected, and ascended again for this, for you, for each one of you. He loves you. He loves you. G.W. Extrand writes, there is fruit to be produced in your little corner of the world where you live. Nobody else can produce it. God means for it, to be produced by you. Here's a few ideas. It includes winning others to Christ, Romans 1:13; helping others grow in Christ, Matthew 28; living holy as God is holy, practical holiness, Romans 6:22; sharing what we uh, process, Acts 2:44; Christian character, Galatians chapter 5 verse 22; and praising and thanking God, Hebrews 13:15. Where do you fit in here connected to the vine? How are you branching out? See, God only knows what all he's going to do through you, what all uh, he intends for you that you haven't even thought about. And the word says enough to get you growing. Isn't that good news? But as you seek to glorify God, remember this. Each branch in the vineyard is unique in what it bears, isn't it? But each branch bears something. Each branch bears something. If we remain in Jesus, He'll remain in us. As we wait for our final abode, will we, O oh church, learn to abide? Would you pray with me? Lord, I pray that in this World in which we're so desperate to find our place, we're so eager to be connected, to have relationships. Lord, I pray that we would no longer be satisfied with the the artificial and the superficial, but that Lord, we we would truly desire a real connection. God, not just, not just for baptism, not just when we become part of the family, but until you return for us. Lord, we know a day is coming. A day is coming when you're coming back for us and you're going to take us home. And Lord, some of us, some of us will be bound for eternity with you and some of us Lord, we're going to end up somewhere else. I pray, Lord, that we wouldn't get hung up and caught up in these relationships and in these connections that are passing, in the things of this world that don't matter. I pray, Lord, that we wouldn't waste our time, but that we would give it to you and watch as you you do amazing things through us as your people. I pray that we would bear much fruit we would bear much fruit more and Lord I pray that we would look back at a point in our lives and we we would just praise your name for what we've seen you do through us Lord it's not for for our greatness it's not for our glory it's to glorify you Lord, each one of us in this room, we we all know someone. Some of us know many people that are broken, broken inside. Lord, they desire intimacy. They desire someone to truly love them and take care of them and provide for them. And Lord, maybe maybe that person's us. Lord, if if so, you desire the same. And we know this from your word. Lord, I pray that we would be able to take this message from John 15. And we would remember that this is why the cross, on the way to the cross, as you gave this uh, analogy to your followers, you reminded them you've done so much for us. Great was the price that was paid. Help us remember to continue that message and example. God, it's so easy for us to get into your word for just a a few moments, maybe on the Lord's day or or throughout the week, and then fail, Lord, to uh, continue to serve. I pray that you would convict us in our lives. We would reach out a world, Lord, that we know is heading for the burn pile. Bear much fruit in our lives, Lord. In Jesus' name, I pray these things. Amen. And today, if if you haven't yet gotten connected to Jesus, we uh, plead with you to do so. Please come forward and please go into those waters of baptism. Go down and come up. Dead, resurrected to Jesus Christ, the one who went to the cross for you and for me out of his love because he desires a relationship and a connection with you forever and ever. How amazing is this? How amazing is his love, how great his love is for us? Do you ever stop and think about his love? To death, the greatness of the love Jesus has for us. If you have a public decision to make, please come forward. We're going to stand and sing all about that love.